Well, we are starting a new series today. We finished up our Holy Spirit series last week. If you missed that, it's online. You can get all of it, download all of the, uh, uh, download all of the, the sermons and uh, the teachings on that. But this week, we're about to jump into a new one. We're going to spend five weeks chewing on this word, this concept, this life-changing thing called trust. And when we <clears throat> look at it, you can go ahead and bust your notes open. That uh, if you'll just follow along with me, uh, you've, you've got a lot of scripture in there. There's a lot of scripture that will be on the screen that aren't, isn't in here. But this is a foundational, foundational message for us to understand all of the other messages and how important the concept of trusting God is. And let's just go ahead and jump off with our, with our launching sentence here. Our mission, our mission as a church is to help people to know God better and to trust him more. If somebody says, Brandon Clark, why do you pastor a church? It's this answer right here. It's because I want to help people to know God better and trust him more. That is it. It can be answered in one sentence. It takes a lifetime of, of an energy to pour into that. It takes resources, but that is what Celebration Church is about. And when we look at this, trust or faith is the central ingredient to living this new life that we have in Christ. A few series ago, we talked about in Christ and all of this that we have in Christ, that we are in Christ is a position. It's not something that we achieve. It's not something we slip in and out of. It's something that when we place our faith in Christ, we now become in Christ. And it's a whole teaching and, and there's so much there in it. But faith and trusting God, once we are in that place, once we're in that place of being in Christ, our life is about trusting God. Now, I think it's really hilarious, the timeline here in my own life and my family's life when God begins to bring this trust thing out. Because I got a wonderful reminder of what it really means to trust this week. See, my oldest son's 15. And this week he got his learner's permit. Yes, yes. And so, and the cool thing is that the cars that, he's, that, you know, we pay all the money for them to teach him how to drive, they have this, this great little contraption on the passenger side called a brake. But my car, there's just leg room over there. there ain't nothing. You can stomp that floorboard all you want. You ain't getting anywhere. And uh, so I, I throw him the keys and we are driving away from the DPS, and we start to pull out on the street, and my heart does a little flutter. And I'm like, oh, God, this is what it means to trust. Because I'm not having any control other than the fact that he knows at some point this car is going to stop. Whether he smashes it into something or whatnot, and Dad's going to come out. And so that's the one thing I have of control over him. But while he's behind the wheel... He's behind the wheel, and I'm having to trust him. And I tell you what, my wife loves cars with handles. She likes the handle right here or a handle right there, and she's constantly doing it. And it's, she thinks she can control the speed of the vehicle by pulling on that sucker. And I, I never understood why until I found myself riding with him, and I am pressing the floorboard with both feet and pulling that handle. I'm like, Stop! Like, I'm, this, I'm accomplishing nothing. I'm accomplishing absolutely nothing on my side, but I'm, I'm giving it everything I've got. And, uh, 
we, we went for a long ride yesterday. Went all the way around the loop. So we did the full loop. And he got to go 70. He was so excited. He got to go 70 miles an hour. And uh, so then we decided we were, we were going to go in. And, and I was, took him to, uh, there's parts of it that are 70 on the back side. You know the full loop. The full loop. He was not speeding. I did not allow my son to speed. And, uh, and so we got on the, we got on the back side of uh, the loop and did all that. Well, I, t- I take him to, uh, I take him to, to Walmart and we're, we're coming out of, coming out of, out of Walmart and the whole, the whole experience was pretty good except leaving Walmart. And, uh, he asked me a question, do I go? And I responded, no. And he heard, Go. Um, yeah, yeah, intense speaking took place. I was yelling at him. I was saying made-up words because I'm a pastor and I can't say those real ones. So I was making stuff up. And, uh, and, and then he was like, I don't like driving anymore. He said, I was, my confidence was up here and now I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the dirt. And, uh, but that whole trust thing, I'm telling you, it is just... When you, when you place yourself and you're finally, you, you, you finally get in the car with God and let him be in the driver's seat, there's, there can be a little apprehension. There can be this thing. And you know what? God understands that. And that's why trust is something we grow in. He doesn't demand this thing of just total, absolute trust. We have to place our trust in Christ for our salvation. And there's this wonderful grace that grips our heart because the Holy Spirit just screams that, yeah, that's the only way. And we start out at this wonderful place where we trust him for that. But then as we grow to trust him with the daily things that we juggle and fumble with and live in life, like our, like our money and our relationships and all these other things, man, it, it begins to be a little bit more difficult in those areas. You know, we've got salvations locked up, but all this daily stuff of life, trusting him there, it, it takes a little bit of learning. And that's why the more we know God, his character, who he is, the easier it is to begin to trust him in these areas. See, Romans chapter 1, verse 17. This, this lays it up. Now, I'm telling you, this scripture, this scripture right here, and a man uh, getting this alive in his heart, this, this ended the dark ages. This ended the rule of, of, of tyrannical church. All of a sudden, it brought life in when a man named Martin Luther saw this truth and it awoke up in his heart. And it says, for in the gospel, a righteousness from God, it's revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Folks, we start this sucker by faith and we get all the way to the end of it by faith. There is no other stuff in the middle. It's faith, 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 faith all the way. It's trust, trust, trust. For the righteous, though you and I, those who've been made by, right with God, that we're in Christ, that in Christ live by faith. We live by trusting God. I love the way the message translation does this. I've pulled this scripture in multiple places in sermon series before, and we're just doing a whole series launching off of it. I love it. It says, God's way of putting people right shows up. In the acts of faith, confirming what Scripture has said all along, the person in right standing before God, by trusting Him, really lives 
You know what? The, who, the person who gets robbed when we don't trust God, it's, it's us. If I don't trust God, I'm the one who's cutting my feet out from under me. I'm not really living in an area until I'm trusting God there. True life, God who came to give us life and life more abundantly can only do it as we begin to trust him in that area. Now, where we're gonna, we, we've got to lock down some principles. We've got to lay a foundation for us together as we move into this, okay? So that we can understand the dynamics, what's happening in our minds, what's happening in our hearts. So we're about to cover a bunch of scriptures, so get ready. Say, what we truly trust in, listen to this, will determine the choices that we make in life. Deuteronomy 30:19. this is so pivotal, says, This day I call heaven and earth as a witness against you, that I've set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give you to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now we have to understand that all things being equal, we simply default to preference, Okay. I need a shirt, okay? I need a shirt to cover my torso, okay? This shirt covers it, this shirt covers it, all things being equal, what am I going to go to? I'm going to go to preference. Maybe I like a color, maybe I like a material, maybe I like a certain designer, maybe I like one of those things. But all things being equal, I default to preference. Most of our life is operated in preference. Most of our life is, okay? When you go to buy a house, a house covers the basic needs, right? Put the roof over your head. You know, it separates you from the elements, all that kind of stuff. So all things being equal, it provides what it's supposed to. Now you default into preference. Do I like Tudor? Do I like Ranch? Do I like Colonial? What is my preference? Okay? Most of our life is operated in preference. But on the things, when things are not equal, we go, we always default to trust. We always default to trust. When things are not when things begin to not be equal, okay? This will cover it as much as that will cover it, okay? And then we just operate in the area of preference. But anytime things aren't, we automatically default to trust. We go, where, what do I really trust? What do I really, is my faith really actually placed in? Now, during our mortal lives, we have access. We have access to both life and death, blessing, and curses. You remember that we said there in Deuteronomy 13, 30, 19, I've said before you life and death, blessing, and cursing. While we are breathing oxygen, while you are here in this flesh stuff, you and we have access to both. And we're about to lay this out right here. All right, Genesis 2, 9. says, for the Lord God made all kinds of trees to grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life, and it's opposite, it's, it's other, it's, which would, we would think the tree of death. No, no, what does it say? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That there are both accessible. There's the tree of life, and then there's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the Lord commanded, jump down to the next one, <clears throat> commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden including the tree of life. But you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat it, you will surely die. 
Now, he doesn't say, you disobeyed me, and I'm going to take you out, man. He doesn't say, the day you eat of it, I'm going I'm to kill you. No. It says, death shows up. It automatically follows in that vein. You choose that path, death is the end result. You will surely die. It is something that is going to happen. It is now that you are on the timeline of death. It is, it, it is absolutely going to happen. And then Genesis 2, 25, it says, The man and his wife were both naked and felt no shame. Now, this little scripture seems kind of out of order. Why, why is it kind of we're reading this whole passage, you know, da la 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 and then it's like all of a sudden, you know, some 13-year-old boy grabbed the pen and said, Oh, we're going to put a naked verse in here. No, it's, it's like, why, why, what is the deal with this? Well, it's because it, it's to, to reassert what's happening here. It says, the man and wife were both naked and felt no shame. Now, we know that there is nothing horrible in and of itself of the naked body. But guess what? We're all wearing clothes. This is not Celebration Nudie Church. <laughs> we're all wearing clothes. Okay. But, and so, and, but God, God didn't make these. God made this stuff. So why are, we, why are we walking around in something that we put on instead of just with everything God made? Why are we doing that? If we were really celebrating God, we'd just all be free. <laughs> What's the problem? Why? Wow, we're still breathing oxygen. We're still in this place. And seeing at this point, they had not eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They had only known good. They experienced God's presence. He walked with them in the cool of the day. They, they had life abundant. They had no knowledge of the evil part. They had experienced only what they had experienced there in the garden. And, it's, and so there, when there's no knowledge of what can be done with the naked form, there's no shame. There's absolutely no shame when there's no knowledge. So that's why they were able to live. Humanity had that stayed in that path. We'd all be a bunch of nudies. Why? Because there would be no sin tendency to go along with it. Okay? And guess what? We found you can't slap enough clothes on to cover up that sin tendency. Because man, I tell you what, Eskimos, they ain't got nothing but that showing. They got less problems like anybody else. Why? It's that sin. It's that knowledge of good and evil, that under all those furs, there's something under there. And my mind can go to places it ought not go. Why? Because of the knowledge of good and evil. That's this baseline. The man and his wife were both naked and felt no shame. Why? Because they had not tasted of that. They had not crossed that line. They had not made that choice. Okay? Now, this is not in your notes. You're going to have to read it on the screen. It says, Genesis 3. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. Here he is. God says you will die. Satan comes in and gives something the opposite. All things are not equal. Life is, one thing is said here. As you do this, the other thing is over here. Now we're getting into the thing of who you're going to trust. 
Who are we going to trust here? Where are we going to place our faith? Things were not equal. <clears throat> you will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. He's telling you, you know, God, God's just holding out on you. He don't want you to eat from it because he wants to keep you down. He, that's, not, that's not that death stuff. That's not associated with that. And it's awesome to know good and evil. You're going to be wise, just like God. He's trying to keep you down. That they had never known anything but God taking care of them. Nothing but God's total love and provision. No lies. No, nobody had ever backstabbed them. Nobody ever lied to them. And they're like, oh, so-and-so down the other end of the garden. They're all a liar. Well, maybe God's a liar too. No. No experience with this at all. At all. And then here it is being presented. So when the woman, woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took it and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were opened. <clears throat> and the, the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. All of a sudden, shame floods them. Now you know what? There isn't anybody else on the planet. They're not, oh no, you know, you, we better cover up because we don't want the so-and-sos down the street to see our naked. They're the only two folks and they're married. They were hooked up by God. God did their ceremony. And yet this thing, oh, their minds opened up to what could be the possibilities, the evil intents of the naked form and then shame and they immediately went to begin to cover themselves <clears throat> and they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves and the, the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they immediately hid from the Lord <clears throat> the Lord God among the trees of the garden but the Lord God called to the man where are you and he answered I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid. Again, why? Because I was naked, and so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat? Only by disobedience could his mind have been flooded with him, taken of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, could he all of a sudden associate and recognize, oh, wow, this... This isn't quite right. I've got, I've got to do something here. And at that point, they were in the death cycle. They had crossed over from life into death. At that one decision, they trusted. She trusted the serpent over, over God. She put her faith in what he said over and stepped over from life into death by trust. By faith and then Adam follows suit and humanity is now in a death cycle see Genesis chapter 3 and the Lord God said the man now has become like one of us knowing good and evil he must not <clears throat> be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and live forever 
So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove, after he drove the man out, he placed him on the east side of the Garden of the Garden of Eden, cherubim, a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Now this this is awesome. God loved us so much that he made sure this stuff dies. He loved us so much that he made sure that this flesh and blood was going to come to an end. And we're going to see why in a minute. But that was an act of grace. He cut the cut up, made sure they have fallen. They're now in a death cycle. They're, they're going to let's not let them eat from the tree of life and live separated from God. Live on the death side forever. Why? Because that's not the life we were called to live. We're not called to we're not called for eternal death. But that does happen. Okay? You gotta follow me here. Okay? Now Romans chapter six. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. John three thirty six. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life. For God's wrath remains on him. Now in that moment, as we as they were separated from the garden, at that point they didn't have direct connection with God anymore. They didn't. We are now we don't see into the spirit world. And so many of us wish we would. Go, man, I wish I could just see into the spirit. I wish I wish it wasn't this this realm that I knew was there, but I don't have any sense knowledge of it. No, you don't. God God everything God does is an act of grace. Because I tell you what, if we knew if we had sense knowledge of how dead in our sin we were, no one would believe that eternal life could be achieved for us. If we really had sense knowledge of it, how hard is it for us to believe that, you know, that if we need $2,000 by tomorrow, that God can bring that in? God, I mean, it's just a person down the street around check and do that. How many of us were have battling sickness? Have a hard time with that. Why? Because we have sense knowledge of people dying all the time. God cut us off so that our greatest need, we didn't have any sense knowledge of, and we could step over by faith. So much easier. So much easier. Because if we believe in the Son, we have eternal life. But whoever rejects Jesus, it all gets back to Jesus. Trust in Him. Whoever rejects Jesus, not whoever sins a whole lot, whoever rejects Jesus will not see life. For God's wrath remains on him. See, we don't have to sin a whole lot to get under death and wrath. We're we, we already there. What we now do have to do is trust to step into life. All right, we are going to get through this. <clears throat> Go ahead and, and uh, do the message translation of John chapter 3. It says, that's why whoever accepts and trusts the Son gets in on everything, life complete and forever. That is also why the person who avoids and distrusts the sun in the dark and is in the dark and doesn't see life. All he experiences of God is darkness and an angry darkness at that. Matthew 25, verse 31, it says, And when he finally arrives, the blazing in beauty and all his angels with him, the Son of Man, will take his place on his glorious throne. Then all the nations will be arranged before him and he will sort the people out 
much as a shepherd sorts out the sheep and the goats, putting sheep to his right and goats to his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Enter, you who are blessed of my father. Take what is coming to you in this kingdom. It has been ready for you since the world's foundation. And then verse 46 says, And then the goats will be herded to eternal doom, but the sheep to their eternal reward. So pre-fall, man lived completely in blessing. Okay? Completely. Then once they took of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, now here we are. We're in this period of mortality because we haven't been allowed to eat of the tree of life, so this body dies. Wonderful. It, it ends. Why? Because while we're here, we have access to both. We have access to both life and death. Both. But at the end of our mortality, then here it is, right here in Matthew 25. Then those, the, the goats, those that aren't, of, don't belong to Jesus, haven't embraced and trusted in him, they go into eternal doom. And those in, into eternal life. While we're here alive, while we're here breathing oxygen, this is the only period of time where we have access to both death and life. And God did that on purpose so that we could transfer back over from death into life. God left the window open so that we could shift from death into life. So that we could place our trust just like Eve placed her trust in what Satan had said and, and stepped over from life to death. We can t put our trust in what Jesus has said, what God has said, and step over from death to life. It says in John chapter 5, it says, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and he will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. And Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. Okay? All of this was so that we can understand the time in which we live. Okay? Once we cross over into death, we're going to be either in, either in the, the, the life realm or the death realm. We will be in one or the other. Okay? Only here do we have access to both so that we can. Well, guess what? Well, that means while we're here, we have access to both. That's why on this planet we see things that, I'll tell you what, that choke you up and bring tears to your eyes and reflect heaven itself. You're like, God, if heaven is better than that, I don't know if I'm going to be able to take it. We see those things, these, these glimpses of heaven. But you know what? We see pictures of hell itself. We see pain and hurt and what people can do to each other. And what just this fallen system does. And we're like, oh gosh, if hell is worse than the stuff we've already seen, I can't imagine. And we're like, why do both exist? If God is so good, why is there any bad that happens? I thought God loves us. He does. And he left the window open. He left it open because if he did, we would be stuck in death. So guess what? While we're finishing our days here, we're going to see both. Because life and death, blessing and cursing are both here. And we have to wrap our minds around that and understand that. And we, can, we have to do like Job and we don't have to, when something bad happens, we don't uh, put wrong on God. That's what the God eventually said of, of Job. He is righteous because he has not charged me with wrong. 
It is a beautiful thing, folks, that God left the window open. And yeah, I hate it. I hate the suffering you've already endured. I hate some of the suffering that's still going to happen. I do. But as we learn to choose life over and over, we can begin to live the eternal life now. Because it's available now. Or people we know who live hellish lives. Why? Because over and over and over again, they choose destructive things. And that's why. That's why this is the foundation of, we have to understand this. Because if we're going to live in the life that Christ gave for us, we have to understand that there's a choice here. And we have to learn to take God's word over our own experience. That's why trust in the Lord with your whole heart and lean not on your own understanding. Because some of your understanding is tainted by some of the death and destruction that's available in this world. And, we will, and if we're not careful, we'll think that's all that's available when there's, there's another answer. There's another answer. And Jesus' teachings, the word of God shows us that truth. And that's why we have to allow God to renew our minds and trust him even when our own understanding says, mm, I'm uncomfortable with that. I've never seen that happen. God, if you're really that way, why do I see this? No, we take him at his word. We take him at his word. All right. That's, that's why we're doing this. Because trust is part of letting God lead us. John 10, 11, say, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. We jump down some verses. It says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. You see, we're not doing this so that we don't slip out of salvation. We're, we're his. We're his. We trust in him. We're his. We, we live this life out so that we can share with others and we can live the life that Christ purchased for us. Hebrews 9 says, How much more then will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death. See, when we come to Christ, our consciences are full of some things and some acts that lead to death, and we've got to be cleansed of those so that we can be life choosers instead of death choosers. So that we may serve the living God. And then 2 Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has given us everything that we need for life and godliness through the knowledge, through the knowledge. That's why we need to know him better. The knowledge of him, not the knowledge of the scriptures. We study the scriptures so we can know him, not so we can know the Bible. It's to know him who called us by his own glory and goodness. See, as we grow, in knowing all that God has provided for us in Jesus, then we can choose to simply trust him in those areas and live the life that is truly real life. That's what this is about. That's what this trust series is about. That's what this walk with Christ is about. Is learning to trust him in these areas that, yeah, there's multiple things offered here, but whose word are we going to take at the highest? When things are not equal, who are we going to go with? Who are we going to trust? And it has to be him. It has to be him. Not our own understanding, not what somebody else has experienced. It has to be him. But this morning, 
I'd appreciate it if everybody would bow your heads right quick. Um, I think it's been laid out pretty clearly on why we need a Savior and how that Savior works for us. See, we step over, we receive the love and the grace. See, we already read that sin, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ. See, Jesus did a death. He did the death we needed. And he takes, he's taken that if we'll give him, we'll give him our sin. We say, I, I need it. There's a punishment of death on me. But I choose to that Jesus has done it. I trust that he has done it. He says he has, and I trust that he's done it. 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 